And here we are. I'm Cal Brown. And I'm Jack Brown. And this is the Aqua Strength Podcast, where we talk about all things aquatic, performance, and life. Before we get into the episode, I want to take a moment to let you know, this episode is brought to you by Aqua Strength Athletes and Jackton Athletic. These are our two online programs. Aqua Strength Athletes is meant for swimmers and water polo players, high school, college, even master's level, who want structured training, who want to follow a program written by a swimmer and a polo player, and they want to get after it. Jackton Athletic is for those of you out in the working world who still want structured your training. You want to build strength. You want to feel great. You want to look great. And you want to make sure you're actually following a program that's going to get you to your goals. Thank you. One more thing, the Aqua Strength Agreement. If you like this episode, if it brings value, go ahead and leave us a rating, share it with someone, and we hope you enjoy. What's up, man? What's new? Nothing much. Uh, Another good weekend. Big 49ers win. Bang, bang. Uh, it was fun hanging out with you, seeing Claire again. Everything's going well. What about you? Yeah, I don't watch a lot of football. Um, I'm in four fantasy football leagues, kind of against my will. And I actually won one of the leagues this year. Thinking the family's kind of pissed about that one. That's the family league with uncles, aunts, cousins. Uh, yeah, and I won. So this might be that. That might be it. I might be done with fantasy football from now on. If anyone in the fam wants to take my spot, but uh, watching that Niner game was sick, man. I got to say, Christian McCaffrey is is one of my favorite athletes. Yeah, 100%. I, I think we were talking about that yesterday a little bit too. I was like, it, it's just so fun to watch. He's It's so special. And I think it an, an element of it for us is that we really love uh, his trainer that he works with in Colorado, um, Brian Kula. And uh, you can find him on Instagram at Kula, uh, Kula Sports Performance. Guy's an absolute legend. They have an amazing facility there. He's a great guy, and I've spent a lot of time watching videos of him working with Christian and things that they do, and it's it's just a joy, man. It's it's really special to watch someone so great do something so special. And, yeah, as a, as a Niner fan right now and as a fan of football, you have to respect what Christian McCaffrey is doing and, and just enjoy it while we have it because uh, athletes like that don't come around too often. Yeah, man, you brought up Kula, and I've, I've never met him before. I watch a ton of his videos, and I follow his work. I listen to him on podcasts, and he's an absolutely incredible strength coach. And I think one of the really cool parts about it um, is that Christian, it was, it was his high school track and field coach. And so like, we were watching a video not too long ago, actually, where he was talking about how once, once Christian got drafted, he kind of reached out to him and was like, hey, you know, I trust you the most in terms of keeping me strong, keeping me fast. Like, I, I want to work with you. I want to continue to work with you. And I think that speaks volumes to the impact that a coach can have on an athlete's life, like the bigger picture stuff. I mean, Christian McCaffrey could work with any trainer that he wanted in the world. He, I, I'm sure that the Niners have an amazing strength staff. I'm sure he gets to work with them as well. But the fact that that he reached out to Kula and continues to work with him in the off season, uh, I'm not exactly sure you know, what extent throughout the year, but they're still a team. They still work with each other. And I think that's big time, man. Like it's, it shows you that Kula knows what he's doing and he knows how to help athletes for years, not in the short term, not, not achieving small goals, but he can help them build a plan and work together and just really, really help them achieve success. So 
that's a goal of mine, man. I, I want to be a coach like Brian Kula where we're working with athletes, you know, maybe we start with them in high school, but however far they want to go in the sport and how, as long as they're playing, we're there for them if they want us to be. Yeah, 100%. That's a great look. It's, it's, I mean, kind of like we talked a little bit on the last show or if that was the first one that, you know, you still have, we have college athletes who come home and work with us in the summers or Christmas break or Thanksgiving, they drop in and we see them and we're always going to be here and be a resource for them. Um, and yeah, one more thing about Kula before we move on. He uh, recently was on um, Inside with Brett Hawk, um, Brett Hawk's podcast, which is a, a swimming podcast. And it was a great episode. Uh, like Jack mentioned, Kula is a was a track coach for, I, I believe, a couple decades and still might be, but um, has a very amazing background in um, speed training and physiology and things like that. And so Brett really gets into some details and talks to Kula about speed training. And, you know, if, if he was a swim coach, what would uh, practices be set up like and things like that. And it's, it's really interesting and a direction that I think the sport is being pushed in and rightfully so. Yeah. I think one thing too, that like I find super fascinating is I know it bugs some people when they hear coaches in a different sport, talk about their sport. Like for example, you know, Kula mentions like several times in that, in that podcast, I'm not a swim coach. I'm not a swimmer. I don't have experience swimming, but like, here are some ideas or concepts, things that I would try. And he works with a ton of swimmers now out of his gym and they've seen massive success. Like those kids are setting team records that have never been touched or haven't been touched in a long time. They're getting better every single season. They feel healthier and they're doing these things that are, that are basic training principles and they make logical sense. Like anybody who can take complex concepts and explain them in very simple terms in a way where you hear it and you're like, Oh, that makes sense. I'm super astonished by coaches like that. So that's why I think listening to coaches in all sports um, and then, you know, performance coaches as well, any coach with a ton of experience, it, you can just pull so many valuable pieces out of what they say. But uh, yeah, so I, I wanted to flip the script a little bit, man. Um, you've been home now for over a month. Were you looking at like two months now or how long? Yeah, so I got back, I think, December 12th, and we're getting towards the end of January here. So yeah, definitely over a full month of being in the gym with you and um, getting my schedule dialed a little bit and finally getting into a solid routine. Um, Yeah. Yeah, but I was going to ask you, so we were talking about this a little bit over the weekend, and you were saying how much healthier you feel, how much better you feel now that you're home from college and... I'm five years removed from college, but I, I do remember like moving back home. And when you take full control of your day, your diet, and you know, you're not doing the crazy things that college kids do all the time. And there's just more structure to your life. Like walk me through that a little bit. Why are you feeling better? What are you doing differently? Yeah. Well, I think I remember, uh, maybe it was sophomore or junior year. I was talking to you on the phone and I was like, oh, I'm just college is fun. I'm getting tired though. And like, I don't always feel good just because, you know, you kind of eat what you want and you do the things you want and you go out on the weekends. And I remember you saying to me, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I understand that you're like tired of it or whatever. Maybe you don't feel great, but enjoy this time in your life. Like you have the rest of your life to eat perfectly or, you know, not stay out till one or two in the morning and to have that solid routine. And I think when you said that at that point, I was a little bit better at taking advice. So I really did listen to that and I enjoyed my time in college and had some good times with my buddies and, and all that 
uh, stuff. And now that I'm home, I just really am like, okay. And dialed in with, with what I think is best for me. And I eat a ton of protein. I eat a lot of fruit and vegetables and, you know, I haven't really drinking any alcohol since I've been home. My body feels amazing. I feel like I noticeably look better, like in terms of visible muscle and tone. Um, I am performing better. My lifts feel better. Like I feel like I'm doing things at a higher level. And since I've been home and swimming again, um, a few days a week, I just genuinely feel like I'm more equipped to do things in the pool that I just wasn't able to do before. Um, and overall my quality life, quality of life just feels like it's gone up. I, I sleep great when I'm up, I'm energized and yeah, I think diet and lifestyle really are just like, yeah, we always say this, but the tide that, that lifts all boats. Yeah, definitely. And I think too, that like the biggest, the biggest thing for me is sleep. I mean, diet's huge. Like I can tell pretty quickly when I'm off my diet. And when I say diet, I'm not talking about a specific diet. Like I'm not talking about carnivore or vegan or Atkins diet. Like I'm not talking about diet like that. When I say diet, I mean the things that I'm eating. And when I get dialed back in with my eating, I feel amazing. But then sleep, like sleep is probably the strongest, the strongest thing in terms of oh, I haven't been doing so great or haven't been functioning at a high level. My, my brain isn't you know thinking clearly. And then I go back to getting eight hours of sleep at night and I really focus on trying to get into bed before 10. And I feel like a superhero. And I, I think too, like you need to know what bad feels like and you need to know what good feels like to appreciate it. Because I think for a long time, I thought I was like always feeling good or I was feeling pretty good, you know? And then when I really started to like take note of my sleep and, and Sierra pushed me into this one where she was like, why do you always lay down at like, you know, midnight or like one, like just go to bed earlier. And I pushed back for a long time. Then once I started like really getting into a rhythm of trying to be in bed before 10 or maybe just after 10 and I was getting more sleep, it only took like a week. And I was like, oh, this is what you're supposed to feel like. Like this is it. And it's the same with diet. Like, yeah, when I get my protein back up to where it should be about a gram per pound of, of body weight, and I make sure I'm eating enough carbs to fuel my training and I'm eating fruits, I'm eating vegetables, I'm drinking plenty of water. Like sleep and nutrition alone can make you feel incredible. But we were talking about that. And it made me think like, yeah, it sounds basic. Everyone says it, like everyone says it. But until you're doing it every single day and you realize how it can make you feel, you don't really know. 100%. And another huge component that I kind of have been thinking about the last couple of weeks is now that you and I are 100% in charge of our own training, like the things that we do, it's not like we're going to sports practices and doing things that other coaches say. I mean, obviously we do sometimes do like programs that other people put out and things like that. But I mean, like I'm swimming on the days that I want to, I lift on the days I want to, and I can make adjustments on the fly and now having a little bit better understanding of physiology and training and things that I need to do to put my body in the best position to be able to perform and do the things I want it to do. Like I just, I know that I feel better and I'm doing better <clears throat> because I understand those principles and I'm running on my own time. Like when you're a, when you're a student in high school and you know, you're doing three sports or two sports, or maybe you're just focusing on one, but you do it all the time. 
so hard to balance. I mean, I know we always say that, but you really are bouncing around all the time between trying to have a social life, get all your schoolwork done, be at school, go to said sports practices, um, you know, any competitions you have on the weekend. Like it's so much. And that's why I think like you and I are both huge advocates for high schoolers and like college athletes, like taking a day off and that people are so anti that. And it's kind of unbelievable to me because it's like we're training them or they're being trained, not us. They are being trained by, you know, their teams or coaches like it's the only thing they do. So that's something I think about pretty often. And I think now me having like real evidence of doing it myself and like this really being like my like career and what I love to do and having an understanding of it, like I feel better than I ever felt. Yeah. So many things come to mind when you say that too, because I know I've had this conversation with so many athletes and it is really challenging because, you know, here are a few of the pieces. One, whatever your practice schedule is, let's say your team has eight or nine practices a week, which might sound crazy to some people listening, but that is a totally normal schedule for a lot of these athletes, eight, nine, maybe 10 practices a week. Um, the coach expects you to be there at all of them. There's a punishment if you're not there. And then your teammates, you know, like they're like, oh, you're not there. Like, dude, what's your deal? And there's a fine line between like, yeah, you know, when I'm coaching sports, I want kids there. I want the kids at practice. I think it's super important. When you're a teammate, you're supposed to hold each other accountable. Like, I understand those points. I absolutely understand those points. My problem is if you have a hardworking kid, a really determined kid who is like scared to miss a practice like they go to 10 out of 10 practices every single week you can tell that their energy is starting to dip off maybe they're not getting as much sleep they're not doing as well in school like things are starting to take a hit outside of the sport and then I'll say to them like oh okay when's the last time you had a day off or like hey maybe maybe we sleep in and we miss a morning practice this week like I don't want to be the bad guy but maybe that's the best thing and they look at me and they're like oh my coach would be so mad my teammates would make fun of me and like they're they're afraid of like letting them down And I get it. I was that athlete. That's a very big piece of the puzzle. And it's the reality. I think it's important to educate coaches or let coaches know that like, yeah, if, if that athlete's operating at 60 or 70% of their capacity and maybe taking one or two mornings off or or not practicing 10 times a week is going to make them better off more consistently. Like if they're going to go from that, like that 60 or 70% capacity all the way up to 90 or 95% on a daily basis, that could be the best thing for them. And it has nothing to do with, oh, that's the kid that misses two practices a week. Like, no, you want what's best for the kid. You want what's best for the athlete. Give them the rest they need so that when they show up, they can give you everything they have. That's so important to me. And it's, it, it's huge. Yeah. And it's so like, it, it was always such a wild concept to me. Cause like, you're so right. Like coaches do like, make you feel bad or put pressure on you. And like, that's something I can clearly remember from like some of my like early year round days of swimming is like, I would miss a practice to go to water polo or maybe spend a Friday with some buddies after school. And like, they would make me feel bad for it. And that is, that is something I'll never forget. Like feeling like I let someone down because I was just trying to live my life. And also at the same time, I remember mom chiming in one time and be like, yeah, no, like they don't get to say that to you. Like we pay them, like we're paying for you to be here. Like obviously there is a schedule and like, we're going to do our best to abide by that. But Cal, you're 13 years old. Like you're not going to let this grown man, like pressure you and make you feel bad because you missed a practice when you're swimming at four 30 in the morning, like as a kid, like that's, that's just not how this is going to work. And so 
that's something I definitely look back on and just kind of hope that, you know, as, as the sport continues to evolve, like we get more under, like coaches continue to grow more of an understanding and look at these things. And, um, yeah. And I really want to emphasize the fact that there are two different cases. I'm not talking about the athletes who are never at practice. Like I'm not talking about the kids that show up 50% of the time and you're always mad that their attendance is bad. That is not at all the same case. Because that's when I have this conversation with people who disagree with me, and, and that's fine. I love having conversations where we see different points. Like when we have this conversation, we're like, no, dude, they need to be there all the time. Like, that's what are you teaching them? That, that it's okay to miss? And I'm like, no, that you're missing the point. If they're there all the time and then it starts to negatively impact their life and their performance, then maybe being there all the time is too much. And too much isn't the answer. Like, the same thing in the real world now. If I start working and I don't take any vacations or any breaks, there's some months where I work every weekend, every day during the week. Like I had a streak recently. I think it was like 21 days in a row where I showed up to either my work or polo, like nonstop. By the end of it, like I'm drained. The gas tank is empty. Sierra and I need to go do something. I need to stop working for even just one day just to be a better me, to reset so that when I come back to work, I can give everybody else my best and I can give the people in my life my best. Like, you need t- downtime or time to do other things, and that's that's the way it should be. But anyways, I think I think right now, Cal and I wanted to get into a question and answer, a Q&A for the first time. Uh, we put up a post on my page and only, only got one question on the post, but then a bunch of DMs, and then yesterday I posted a sticker, just a Q&A sticker, and a ton of people replied to that. So I think maybe people just don't like their questions to be seen um, by others. Maybe, I, I don't know. But but anyways, the point I'm getting at is we're not going to say the people's names who submitted questions, at least at this point in time, maybe down the road. But we're just going to start it off. Uh, I thought this was an awesome question. So first question, since you guys get to work with and get to know the young athletes, what advice would you give to the parents and how they can support their kid? Do you push them to go to practice or let the coach and him work that out? Is a parent just a cheerleader or should we do more? Uh, and now that I'm reading this, uh, for the second time, we almost kind of just touched on it, but Cal, you want to start with this one? Yeah. Well, first off, I do want to say that I don't have any kids and I'm not a parent. So take my advice and input and opinion on this as you will. I'm not trying to tell people with kids how to live their lives because I don't know what it's like to be a parent yet, but I did have some kick-ass parents Um, who were amazing and I think set a great example for myself and the people in our lives. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot and I think it's a little bit of yes and no, which I don't want to seem like a cop out, but it does have to be that balance of I'm here to support you. I'm here to be your number one fan and to help you when things are hard but they do have to be there sometimes to push you a little bit if you need it. And that I guess is up more to them as to when they see fit. It can't be every day though. You can't be the parent that's nagging your kid to go do this, go do that, or we need to do lessons for this, or I'm signing you up for this or whatever. Like that ultimately needs to be on them. They need to be willing and eager and wanting to do more to get better you're, you're not going to make them want it, but when times are tough, when they're struggling, when they 
didn't have a race as well as they hoped to have or didn't perform in a game like they wanted to and you know maybe they're feeling low and want to step away or quit like I think it is important for a parent to be there to say hey like this is part of it you know familiarize them familiarize them with um you know that and and help them to feel not alone I guess is is the biggest thing for me is like when I was at my lowest and like feeling my worst mom was always there to like let me know that like she was in it with me and that like we were going to figure it out and uh yeah so I guess that's kind of like what I would say to that yeah like similar to what Cal said I'm not a parent yet so you know take take what I say um as you will and and I don't want to sound rude or offensive to anybody but yeah we did have a kick-ass team of parents our mom and dad were amazing and I think what we learned from them I mean I'm going to take a lot of the lessons and that's exactly how I want to raise my kids and I get to work with so many families I get to work with so many kids so many parents I've seen you know so many different situations things that work things that I'm like ooh, okay like I'm not sure if that's exactly how I would do it but but it's your life and you get to do it that way and what I would say I think works amazing the parents that are that are in your corner no matter what like the parents that are supportive that are there for you to to help you navigate like you said Cal the hard times and to be there to listen to you um, but to also give you that nudge, like, no, you got this, like you can step up, you can do this and, and reminding them that they're capable, but also not forcing them to do anything or push them in any direction. Because I have seen this as well, where it, sometimes to me, it seems like I hear so much from some parents and not much from their kids, or the parent will be telling me all the things they want from the kid or for the kid. And then when I get to work with the athlete, maybe they either seem, you know, kind of disinterested, whether eh, it doesn't really happen in the gym. Like really most of the kids seem like they want to be there. And I could be misreading that. I don't know. But sometimes it's more at the pool when I'm like, I don't know if you're fully checked in or you want to be here or you're enjoying it or if you're really just being pushed to be here. And, and those are the situations where I'm kind of like, okay, maybe let's just have a conversation let's have a conversation, you know, you and me first, and let's see what's going on, how you're feeling, how's life, how's everything else. And then maybe it's worth having a conversation with the parent, um, whether it's all three of you, you know, coach, athlete, parent, or just athlete and coach, but really just talking and getting everything out there and then, and letting the athlete speak. I think that's the biggest thing is I think sometimes coaches can say a lot and, and parents can say a lot, and if we don't give the athletes a chance to talk and then, you know, in return, actually listen to what they're saying, sometimes they can end up feeling a ton of pressure. They can feel like they're headed down the wrong path. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of my take on that, if that makes any sense. And, and what I will say is, you know, you mentioned in the question, are we here to just be a cheerleader? Or should we do more? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is both. Like, you need to do a little bit more. You know, when your kid's like, oh, no, that was a bad race. I never want to do this sport again. Like, no, let them know. Like, no, you're capable of more. You're not quitting. We signed up. We're doing this. Like, you know, get out there. You got this. This is life. But at the same time, you don't want to be that parent that's like, go, no, you only did one workout today. Go do a second one. No, what else can you be doing? No, is your homework done yet? No, you don't get to hang out with your friends. You don't get to do this. Like, if you become the drill sergeant, I just don't think it goes very well. And I have seen a few times now situations where, we see that parent that's like kind of overbearing, like really hard on their child for years and years and years. And then we see that kid grow up 
and whether they go off to college or it's towards the end of high school and they end up quitting the sport, almost distancing themselves from that parent. And it almost seems to like ruin a little bit of the relationship. And that's, that won't always be the case, but like, yeah, if you are a little bit too hard on your kid, just from, from a sports perspective, I don't think it's going to have a great impact on their future and their relationship with you. So be there, be there for the good times, be there for the bad times, help them out. And, and when they need things and they come to you, do your best to, to provide and be there for them. But don't be over the top. Don't make it about you. It's not about you. Very well said. I think to add one more thing to that, I heard, I guess maybe mom say this one time, uh, and I'll use you as, as an example. She said, I'm 100% team Jack. I'm I'm team my kid. It's not a you versus me. It's not a them versus us. I'm here to support you because I love you and I want what's best for you. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, like that is the parent's job is to be team Jack, team Cal, team whatever your son or daughter's name is, you know, to support them and be there for them and and find that track of what's best for them and ultimately always pushing in that direction you know what is going to be the best for their happiness for their overall health for their longevity in the sport and i think that that right there is is the most important thing being uh team your kid yeah and just to make sure i really answered uh this other piece of the question do you push them to go to practice or let them and the coach uh, work that out I would say when they're younger, you know, yeah, go to practice, teach them the importance of showing up. When they're older, though, I'm talking high school athletes and college athletes. I think the athlete and the coach need to figure that out because if, if you're a parent still forcing a high school or a collegiate athlete to go to practice, I mean, they're not going to do what they don't want to do. So they need to talk to the coach. They need to figure that out and, and see what's going on. And yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for the question. That was an awesome one. Um, let me look through. We got a, we got a lot more questions. So looking down the list right now, I think maybe the next one we go over, Cal, this is, this is an interesting one. And I hear this from kids a lot. So someone asked, how do you gain mass without losing mobility? Uh, I think, I think I'm going to take the start on this one, if that's cool with you. So I think there's a big fear, especially in the aquatic sports world, that if you lift, you're going to gain too much mass and you're going to become less mobile and you're going to be super stiff. And let me just start off by saying getting big doesn't mean you have to lose mobility and lifting doesn't mean you're going to get big. So here are a couple key points uh, that, that I take into consideration with my own training and all the training that I provide athletes. First thing you need to always be training through a full range of motion, at least most of the time. Okay. Like there are certain exercises where yes, sometimes we might do partial reps, But for the most part, our compound exercises, we are training through a full range of motion. So when we are squatting, when we're lunging, when we're doing push-ups, when we're doing chin-ups, we're taking our joints through the most full range of motion possible, letting our muscles actually lengthen and shorten, and training them through that full range is what's going to improve your mobility and flexibility, right? So that, that right there, making sure you're training through a full range and not just throwing a ton of weight on the bar or picking up the heaviest dumbbells and, you know, trying to, to make the exercise look good. No, go lighter until you can fully train through a range under control. Then you can slowly add weight. And then second thing too, 
Uh, yeah, you know, you're going to gain a little bit of mass. I mean, as you're developing in middle school and high school, you're going to get a little bit bigger. But you don't need to be, you know, consuming like massive four, five thousand calorie meals and hitting your bulk. Like I hear that now sometimes. And I think it's because Instagram and TikTok and YouTube, just social media in general are so huge. And the bodybuilding world and powerlifting world can kind of take over that space. Like when you're watching gym related content and lifting content on those platforms, it's all about huge muscles and gaining mass and sports performance. Like performance training is, is not that you can get stronger without getting massive. Okay. And I want to say that one more time. You can get stronger without getting massive. That's why you see so many of these high level athletes who look, you know, really strong, but they're not like these huge bodybuilder type bodies. I mean, you look at some of the most elite swimmers, I'm talking Caleb Dressel, Ryan Murphy, like Katie Ledecky, all these athletes who are like clearly very strong, like they look cut, but they're not hitting bulks. You don't, you're not, you're not bulking up. Okay. You're just eating the right amount. You're fueling yourself. You're lifting, you're gaining strength and you're able to produce more force. So as long as you're training correctly and eating a healthy balanced diet, you're going to have no issue gaining mass and losing mobility. I want to emphasize one thing you said right there. You know, it's hard to look at the title of strength training and not think about powerlifting or bodybuilding because it is so relevant in social media and is kind of like when you log on to Instagram and TikTok, like you said, like what these kids see. So it's what they associate with what we do, but it's very, very different. Like you were saying, you know, you can train and get stronger and not get huge. Like there is two aspects of strength in the body physiologically like there's there's size there's like muscle size which is associated with how strong you are and then there's also the neurological aspect which is you learning movement patterns and making connections through your muscles and muscle fibers and your brain to be able to get better out of movement to then therefore lift more weight so yes you can get stronger without putting on a whole bunch of mass and yeah, like at the end of the day, we're not training these kids to be bodybuilders. They shouldn't be training to be a bodybuilder to get better at their sport because, yeah, now that we have so much data and, um, you know, decades and decades of, of training athletes, over time, coaches and strength coaches and performance coaches have been able to formulate things that work better for athletes aspects that we need to train or include in their training as opposed to just lifting a bunch of weights for as many reps as you can to try and get bigger and stronger so it's just a lot more detailed and um, oriented towards athletes and the mechanisms that make you an athlete so yeah awesome thank you for the question uh, next question uh, olympic style lifting is it good for aquatic and land athletes uh, let me just say Olympic lifting. I- I've done a little bit of it. I-, I learned a little bit. I did it for a few months. I'm not great at doing it and I'm not great at coaching it. And I don't include a lot of it in our training in the gym. Now, does that mean it's bad? Absolutely not. I've seen incredible athletes and incredible coaches use Olympic lifting in their programming. 
In fact, I'm sure at some point I'm going to dive much deeper into it and make it a bigger part of my training and, and probably incorporate pieces into our, our program. Um, however, le- le- I will emphasize, I believe all lifting, like any exercise, whatever it may be, lifts are tools. Like they're a means to an end. They are not the end. And what I th- currently believe is that, you know, our, our goals are to make athletes stronger, to make them more durable in their sport, to make them more explosive, to keep them healthy. And I think we can achieve all of those things without implementing Olympic lifts. And I will also say too, like in the time that I spent trying to learn them, there's a huge, a huge skill acquisition piece to Olympic lifting. And when we work with so many middle schoolers and young high schoolers, if we spent all our time trying to acquire those skills, I'm not sure we'd be using our time wisely because it can take, you know, if we spent 15, 20, 30 minutes a day trying to piece together these, these movements, it would take weeks and eventually we would get it down. But I I just don't, I'm not sure it's quite worth it. And if we can do jumps, if we can do plyometrics and sprints and other things to touch on speed, I think, I think we're getting a little bit more out of our time in a group setting as well. And the the other thing I want to note too is I, I do think as, as athletes become more advanced in their sport or they're towards the end of high school or maybe they do the Olympic lifts at their college with their college strength coach and then they come back to me, yes, I want to keep them in. Like if you have to do them for your program and you're going to do them, I'm absolutely not going to be the coach. It's like, nope, I don't do those. I don't believe in those. Get those out of here. Like, no, I want you to do and practice what you need to be good at. But yeah, you know, some programs might use them. Some programs might not. So I'm not going to waste time teaching you something you don't need. And if you do need it or you currently use it, yeah, let's hop into it together and I'll do it with you. I'll show you how or I'll give you my, my cues. But I think we can get you know most of the things that we want to get from our athletes and they're just not at an advanced enough level yet for the most part to be incorporating those. So that's my take. What do you think, CB? Yeah, I'm not super pro or against Olympic lifts. I will say there was a period of time where I was really obsessed with hand cleans Uh, And I thought that there was a huge correlation with how much and how fast I could hang clean to how fast I could swim freestyle, uh, which I now know and can identify is just not true because sure, there's plenty of swimmers who are really fast that can hang clean well and move a lot of weight, but there's also plenty of swimmers who are really fast and are very dominant and don't hang clean at all. So it's like we talked about in the last episode, you know, doing the thing, it's not, a, it's not, it's not the thing like hang cleaning isn't going to make you faster because you're not actually swimming freestyle in a pool. And a lot of people and coaches and, you know, trainers might argue with that, but I don't know. I heard a favorite coach of mine say something that I just think put it in the most simple and easy to understand terms is yeah. Someone who's not an athlete, who is very large and slow can get really good at hand cleans or Olympic lifts. And just because you can move a barbell fast doesn't mean you can run fast or swim fast. And so I think that right there kind of just answers the question as to, yeah, it's not everything, but it's probably not nothing either. There can be a place for it for some people, but it's not, you know, the, the end all be all. Yeah. And obviously we're always a little biased. Like I'm sure if I start an Olympic program in the next couple of weeks and was getting better at, at cleaning or snatching and doing all that stuff and I was loving it and I was seeing benefit from it, I would start to incorporate pieces with some of our more advanced athletes because 
yeah, a lot of my training, I mean, I'm doing stuff before they're doing it and I want to make sure it's feeling good and I'm getting the benefit and the adaptation that I hope. And, and that's why I continue to stay in the pool as well. Like I want to know how things are feeling for the most part. So if I started doing it and I was loving it, like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to start throwing pieces in right now. I just don't think we need to. So great question. Um, moving on. So I really, I really like this question. A uh, person asked the most, what are your most important tips for getting back into masters swim and water polo? And now that we're both masters athletes, um, I think it's a great question. First thing I'll say is give yourself a break. Like, I don't mean actually take time off. I mean, cut yourself some slack because the fact that you're still, you know, getting in the pool, swimming, playing polo, that's awesome. You're going to feel amazing from it. You're going to have a good time, but remember you're not competing at the highest level. You are not trying to get to college. You're not trying to play professionally. You're doing it because you love it. And so I'm constantly reminded of this. Cal reminds me, Sierra reminds me, other people at practice remind me. Sometimes I'll be like at a master's practice and I'm getting a little pissed off because I'm not feeling great. And then, you know, Sierra will be like, well, you lifted super heavy for two hours this morning. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I was pretty invested in the workout. I was getting after it. Probably did more than I should have in the weight room. I'm hopping in the pool because I enjoy it. I want some sunshine. I like being in the water and it doesn't matter what I'm holding or that I'm feeling slow. Like how many people get to spend the afternoons at a pool swimming? Like that's awesome. So I think it's more about finding the joy, you know, using it to stay in shape and have a sense of community and hang out with friends and be around great coaches. But, but give yourself a break. Like when you're getting back into it, start with two days a week, bump up to three days a week, go when you can, when you miss, don't get mad about it. Like, you know, make, make the most of it, but, but handle it how you want to handle it. Don't treat it like it's like, end all be all. I need to be at five practices a week. I need to go to the earliest one. I need to make sure I'm doing all my lifts at night. Like, no, it's all good. It's all good. It's supposed to just be part of the picture. Yeah. And I see a huge correlation with parents who still do a master sport or work out um, and, you know, their relationship with their kids who are athletes. I think it can help you have a better understanding and greater appreciation for what your kids may be going through every day at their practice and can help you to, yeah, just overall be a little bit more understanding. But I think like Jack said, it's really important to try your best to almost disassociate a little bit from that athlete brain um, that you may have built up from, you know, years of being an athlete or competing and to understand that you're doing it for different reasons now. But yeah, I really like this question a lot because I'm starting to learn about this a little bit myself um, as I'm starting my journey as an older athlete and doing masters and, and fitness for joy, not for competition or trying to make it to the next level. Yeah. And I don't even know if you have kids or not. I mean, that's, that's totally like a separate topic, but I will say, uh, Cal, that's such a great point. Like the, the parents and the coaches that I see who still train, who still lift, who still get in the pool, their relationship with their athletes is just like, it it seems so much better because they have an understanding and they know that when they give them a set or when they give them a lift, whatever it may be, like there's like this grace that they give the athlete because they understand like, Oh, well, yeah, I swam this morning too. So I know this afternoon, like you went to school, then you went to practice, then you had to come home and have lunch and do homework. And then you went to lift. Like they're not harping on the kid as hard because they understand like, this is tough work. This is, this is really hard. And I think the further you get away from it, like, like for example, there was like two years where I didn't get in a pool at all. And I know for those two years, like I was super passionate about coaching. Like I am now, 
but some of the things that I would program or give to athletes, I, I wasn't able to fully wrap my mind around the fact that like they're in the pool and lifting and going to school, like they're doing all of it because I was so focused purely on the lifting. And then I throw the pool back in and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to change my training. And then I'm like, wait, this is what they're doing. Okay. No, I need to, I need to rethink this. So any parent or coach who ends up, you know, removed from a sport for a long time, like before you critique those kids, you really, you really push them, try to step in their shoes for a moment and think about that. That's, that's, I know that that wasn't your question and you know, your question, yes, give yourself leeway, disassociate and just, just have fun with it. But yeah, I would say that that point about parents and coaches is super important. Uh, next question. This is a deep one. How do I know that I've done enough to succeed? Woo. Oh yeah. That's, I'm gonna let you go first. There's, there's a lot here. Sheesh. That is a good question. How do I know I've done enough to succeed? Well, my first thought off of that would be to say that in life or in sports or whatever it is that you're trying to succeed at, I think you know you've done enough when you come to the realization that the results don't define you and it it's it, like you you fall in like you you let go of the results meaning as much as they should like you you know in your heart and in yourself that you did everything you could to succeed at whatever it is you're trying to succeed at and i think the best way to kind of you know like go further into this is to provide a couple examples and i think of recently i had this big exam i was taking to try and get this certification and I had put in so much time and effort into studying and preparing for this exam that I knew like going into it I was like yeah if I fail it and don't get the certification like I'm gonna be okay I'm at ease because I know that I did everything I could to put myself in the position to pass and I think an example like that can be connected to anything really like whether it's athletics or a job or a relationship or anything in your life is like you know when you've you've done enough to you know you've done enough to succeed when you surrender yourself to the results and know that no matter what tomorrow the sun's going to come up and you're still going to be you and yeah yeah i'm going to take this a little bit uh down a different route uh, I, I love what you said there, Cal. I, I will say, I think I did, I think I handled this the wrong way for most of my athletic life. I think that I used to, to like almost like build up this bank. And I mean that in the sense that like the more practices I went to, the more I lifted, um, the more I, I ate good food, the more I sacrificed, the less I spent time with friends, like the more, the more that I put into, you know, the grind the more I deserved to be successful or to get a certain result. And now I think that's bullshit. I don't think it's about building up this bank of, I did all this, now I have to be successful. No, I think you need to first define success. What is success? If success for you is, I want to go a 21 in my 50 freestyle, I think you need to structure training 
in a way that delivers results. And when you do something that is like, that can't be argued with, like it's not how many practices you went to. No, like if you're ripping 25s for time on a consistent basis and you're going nines, nine something, and then you start doing 50s for time in practice, like I mean max sprinting all out and you go a few 21s in practice, guess what? When you show up to the meet, your doubt's eliminated. Like doubt comes, in my opinion, from lack of preparation. And when I say preparation, I mean preparing for the specific task. So once you've done the thing enough times, you have no reason to doubt. And then your body, like your mind and your body won't doubt it. So one thing for me, like in water polo, for example, I remember I wasn't the best on defense, especially when I was playing better teams or playing on better teams. Like I I couldn't always keep up with their good players because I'd be on defense and they would burn me in the front court. And I'd always be nervous. And I'd think like, well, no, I've been to so many practices. I've been lifting. I'm stronger. Everything's better. Like I'm just going to play better defense. And now I look back at it and I'm like, yeah, if, if in practice, I just spent more time working on pressing getting into our zone, talking with my teammates, not getting beat on the drive, actually learning how to get on my legs. Like if I did the things that I was bad at, the exact things, and I did them so much and got so efficient at doing them that I knew I wasn't going to fail in a game, then I would know that I'm going to succeed. And I think when you look at some of the best athletes in the world and you see that look on their face or the way they carry themselves during a competition and you're like, wow, they look so confident. They're confident because they know, like they know what's going to happen because they've done it so many times. When you watch Steph Curry shoot, he looks away sometimes. He throws up a shot and looks away because the second leaves his fingers, he knows if it's going in. So that's how I look at it. Like if you want to, if you want to know you're going to succeed, practice the exact things that you need to do, whatever that may be, whatever your weaknesses are. And then yes, just like Cal said, once you have those things locked in and it's time to go compete, you need to surrender yourself to the results because if it doesn't happen at that point, something else went wrong. You can look at it. You can look back. You can watch film. You can figure out what that was. But stop stop building up that metaphorical bank and go do exactly what you have to do. Like, Don't lie to yourself. Go do it because I lied to myself for way too long. Wow. Let my boy cook. I might have to go ahead and just edit out the part where I answered the question because I think what JB just said was absolutely perfect. Wow. I just like, yeah. I mean, we talk all the time, but that was beyond insightful for me. That was, that was something special right there, dude. Thank, thanks for sharing that. And I, I got to give a quick shout out to the person that asked that. I'm not going to say your name, but dude, I, I freaking love you, man. It's been a long time since I saw you. Uh, we got to get, we got to get together last year and hit a lift. And a couple years ago, you, you were a very big part of my life and we spent a lot of time together and man, you had you had a very big impact on me, man. And I hope you're doing well. I hope you're doing well. Thank you for the question that, yeah, that was a, that was a good one, man. Thank you. Yeah. And, and one more thing before, uh, we start wrapping up, I just wanted to give a shout out to all the people who have been supporting JB and I, uh, we've been having so much fun doing this and, you know, our original idea was that, you know, hopefully we could provide some value to athletes, coaches, and parents in whatever it is they're doing and that, you know, that they could find a sense of community here with this podcast. And to all my buddies and kids in the gym and parents that have talked to Jack or I and said that, you know, they've been enjoying what we're doing and keep up the good work. Like you have no idea how much that means. And, 
Your support has just been absolutely amazing. So shout out to you guys. We're going to keep putting this out there, keep trying to do our best to provide value to your guys' lives and a sense of community. And uh, yeah, love big. Yeah, it's overwhelming. Thank you so much. The messages, you guys coming up to us in person, uh, it, it means the world to us. And we just, we hope that, yeah, this show can benefit more people. I mean, we love talking. We're thankful for each and every one of you. And we look forward to next week. So take it easy. Thank you.